0: Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. Yes, we were scheduled to talk to a Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, at 1145 today. Um, got a call, got a, actually an email from one of the folks with uh, Paul Ryan saying, well, the, the phrase was because of the fluidity of what's going on, you know, he, he's canceling his you know, local media things, but we'll, we'll hook up sometime soon. And I, I, I do understand that when I booked the interview two days ago um, on today, I, I thought there's a lot of stuff going on here, but I think – I think two days ago, 48 hours ago, um, I, I think the speaker thought that he was going to have he, this health care vote in the bag, that there was enough votes to get it passed, and this was going kind to of, be we'll, we'll do media, and we'll, we'll do take, kind of take a victory lap. Um, things have changed. I don't know what the dynamics of this are, but um, most of the reports suggest that right now, if the vote were held 10 minutes from now, they would not have enough votes for the current version of repeal and replace Obamacare. But... The vote isn't being held now. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors, and we'll continue to cover that, and we will talk to Paul Ryan at some point in time, but I certainly understand that. We start off today's program, like we start off every program, with a segment I call Three Big Things, things I think you need to know about for the day to talk about at the coffee cooler, at the the water cooler, or the coffee closet, or at lunch, or at the gym, or, or whatever. Big thing number one, don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. And I want to revisit something that we discussed yesterday that continues to light up our text line as well as my as my emails. Now let me back into this. I understand that in today's day and age, businesses have incredible pressures to save money by automating. And that's, that is just the reality. The people that are out there pushing $15 an hour for fast food workers are are literally cutting the economic throats of fast-food workers because what happens is if you raise labor costs dramatically, you just give business owners an incentive to say, okay, if we got to pay $15 an hour for somebody, you know, doing clerk's work behind the counter at a fast-food place, it becomes economically more feasible to automate. You know, Wendy's is looking at that you, for, for $15,000, you can put in a, a kiosk inside a Wendy's that allows people to self-order 15 grand for three separate self-ordering things and you can get rid of two or three employees you're still going to need somebody behind the counter but you can get rid of two or three employees and you think if you go to $15 an hour that that's not going to happen and it's not going to be more pronounced you know look think of all the other businesses that we have seen this in uh, being a bank teller is an endangered species nowadays? Because think about, think about how many times you actually go and use the physical teller anymore. You know, b- between online banking and between ATM machines, it, it's it's not on. It's not rare necessarily but people don't go i used to go in cash checks all the time nowadays unless it's a bigger check i mean i i just do it all through the the atm that's how more people do it that's what, a matter of fact i was talking to somebody just um, last week unfortunately who was a bank teller ended up getting laid off through no fault of their own but just they didn't need as many tellers at the place where this particular woman worked that that's just the nature of it i am a I'm a horse player. You walk into a horse track, a racetrack 20 years ago, and you would see tellers behind every window. Now you walk into a racetrack and you see a handful of tellers, but you see the machines all over. People can go up. They can place their bets at the machines. Automation is taking jobs. I understand it. Don't like it necessarily, but that is the wave of the future. That being said, what is going on in Milwaukee with manpower is... Well, something that deserves a lot of scrutiny. Now, late last week, the Milwaukee Business Journal reported that manpower was cutting 150 jobs in Milwaukee. Um, They said that this was due to automation and things like that. Uh, I talked about it yesterday. We'll double back on that in just a second. The journal Sentinel has a story today about what we talked about yesterday. Here's here's what they, they write. Manpower Group acknowledged Wednesday, and Manpower, of course, is the big local company that ironically um, makes its living by placing people in jobs. <laughs> so that, That's the ultimate irony of this. Okay, Manpower, this is the way the Journal Sentinel reports it, acknowledged Wednesday that it is eliminating about 150 jobs in its headquarters in downtown Milwaukee. Employees were told of the cuts late last week, it was actually March 16th, with the staffing company saying the reductions come as Manpower Group continues to automate and digitize our business, according to a statement released yesterday by the spokeswoman. Quote, like many organizations, we are investing in technology to deliver the competitive solutions our customers expect. Automation and new technologies reduce the need for manual business processes, which impacts certain jobs and skill sets. I hope you can understand this is a sensitive time for those involved, said the corporate spokesperson, who did not respond to further questions, and it was not known what types of jobs are being eliminated. So Manpower continues to say these jobs are being eliminated because of automation. That is not true. <laughs> that is not at least based on what I'm hearing, that is not what is going on. Let me share with you again something I, I read a portion of yesterday. It's a, an email I received. Guy identifies himself. This is where he writes. I am a retired electrical engineer, having worked 42 years in the Milwaukee area. My wife and I are enjoying our retirement er- years. We have three children who are employed in Wisconsin who are trying to achieve the American dream. Our daughter graduated from college, worked in the accounting field for six years, took a job as an accountant with Manpower here in Milwaukee a little over a year ago. She was enjoying her employment with Manpower until last week when it was announced that 150 jobs, she's an accountant, would be outsourced to India within approximately the next six months. Not digitized, not automated, not we're hiring this kiosk that replaces you, we're shipping the jobs to India. These employees were told that they could continue to work during this time period, however, that they would be required to also train their replacements. They were told that if they continued to work during this time period and adequately trained their India replacements, They would be paid a severance fee and a bonus. However, if they did not remain employed by Manpower during this time or if they failed to adequately train their replacement, they would not receive any severance pay nor any bonus. Following training, the India replacements would return to India and Manpower jobs would be outsourced to the company in India who sent these workers for training to Milwaukee. The Manpower jobs affected do not appear to be easily automated jobs. They include accounting, finance, IT, and shared services. And then it goes on. Now, again, I understand that companies automate and jobs go away. I also understand that companies outsource. In other words, you just simply make a decision that, well, we're paying people too much we, we've got this woman who's working as an accountant in Milwaukee. Well, it's just easier and cheaper to find somebody in India that is going to do the job. So, you know, we'll, we'll outsource, we'll send the jobs to India. Now, I understand, number one, that there is this irony, again, of a company that <laughs> puts people in jobs, dumping 150 workers to send the jobs to India. That, that's okay. But big thing number one, at least based on what I am being told by people who are affected by this – What Manpower is trying to sell is a load of of hooey. This is not automation or digitizing. This is outsourcing, shipping the jobs to India. And they have a right to do it. All right? I I get it. They have a right to do it. And if that's how they choose to save money for their bottom line, all right, they, they get to do it. The CEO, I was trying to figure this out. He makes... It depends on, on what year you're looking at. I can't exactly tell what the current one is, but the guy makes somewhere between $3.5 million a year. So that's one of the guys that's responsible for shipping 150 jobs out, out to India. But this notion that, again, that the line that they are peddling, and they continue to peddle with the local newspaper, that this is automating and digitizing our business at least... At least to an extent, this does not appear to be the case. Rather, they are shipping the jobs overseas. They have a right to do it, like I say. But can you imagine being an employee? You've worked there for a while, and not only are you told that you're getting fired, but you're also told that, that, you you know, as a condition of you continuing to be able to keep your job for a couple months, you've got to train your replacement. And if you don't train the guy or gal that's being brought over from India, if you don't train them satisfactorily, then you're not getting any sort of severance pay. You want to talk about insult to injury. So big story number one, manpower has a right to do it. But don't pee down our backs and tell us it's raining Um People are losing their jobs, at least in some cases, because it's being outsourced. Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Penny from Germantown, Texas. There's a big story in Sixty Minutes this past Sunday on this exact thing: people from India coming in on special visas to be trained by the American who's losing. Um, his or her job, and that is precisely what appears to be happening at manpower and and Again, if, if manpower wants to outsource jobs, God bless them all right that, if that 's the decision that they make but let 's not pretend it 's anything other than that let 's not lie about what is really going on, and then the ultimate thing is the corporate spokesperson for manpower. I hope you can. That tells the journal. I hope you can understand. This is a sensitive time for all those involved. So we're not answering any more questions. Well, okay. okay. All right. Why is this a sensitive time? It's not a sensitive time for the people who are losing their jobs. They know that it's not a sensitive time for those folks who are told that if you want to get a severance pay or stay on board, you've got to pay for you've got to train your replacement. Yes, I guess it's sensitive to an extent, but this is all created by the decision that manpower is making. All right. If you're going to make that decision, just own it, for goodness sakes. I mean, own it. Instead of trying to pretend that it's something otherwise, um, let's see. Chris in Menominee Falls says, Coles uh, did exact same thing a few years ago. Um, he says, I haven't shopped there since. All right. Big thing number two, the Marquette University Law School poll comes out yesterday. Um, I don't know that the results are particularly surprising. I, I, in the, in the words of the WHO, I'm not going to be fooled again. Um, I have watched poll numbers become, polling become increasingly, increasingly unreliable over the last several election cycles, leading to the complete polling debacle that was the, the fall election. So candidly, I, It's going to take a long while for polls, even what I thought were good polls, to gain any sort of credibility in my eyes. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. But so you you can take it for what it's worth. The Marquette University Law School poll comes out, shows Donald Trump's approval rating at 41 percent in Wisconsin, 47 percent disapprove of his performance. That would probably be consistent with other national polls that would be out there reflecting his standing nationally. Of course, all these polls said that he was going to lose, in some cases losing big time to Hillary Clinton. 414 is the Accurate mortgage talk and text line. Trump's approval rating at 41% in Wisconsin. Do you think that means he should change what he is doing? Should he change his policies to reflect... The approval ratings, and let's assume for the sake of argument, and that's a big assumption, that this is that this is an accurate number. The fact that early on in his presidency he's got an approval rating of 41%, does that mean he should do anything differently? And if so, what? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 853 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. <laughs> 855, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Marquette University Law School poll says 41% approval rating for Donald Trump. Should he change anything? Todd in Greenfield. Todd, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. What do you think? Should he change anything in response to bad poll numbers?
1: Well, that's just it. You're looking at polls. Yep. Look what happened to the presidential race. Polls just got out, thrown out the window. I call it, I consider it fake news because mm-hmm. it's based on where you take the polls from. You're taking it from any university it's it's
0: liberal. Mm-hmm. Well it's also I mean I mean thanks to I mean there, there's all sorts of problems with with polling. You know, I okay, I, I don't I don't answer landline phones anymore. My cell phone, if the phone rings and it's not a number I recognize, I, I don't pick up, you know, it just goes into voicemail and I think it's harder and harder to get people. I mean and, and we've seen it. So I mean I, I agree with you that, that polling I think is very questionable. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on six twenty W T M J. Good morning.
2: Good morning. What do you, think? you know, even if the questionable polls are
1: true, why would he change? It's worked for him so far. Why, if something's working, why would you change? I mean, again, he's he's doing what he said, like it or not.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I- exactly. And you know, that, to me, Jeff, if there was anything that I would advise him to change—not that he would listen to my advice—it would be maybe stay off the Twitter. I, I think I think his po- I think his policies, people like. What they don't like is a lot of these distractions and the kind of like the 5.30 a.m. tweets about, you know, the the wiretapping and stuff. But his policies, I think, are in general very, very popular or certainly would be a lot more popular than just 41 percent. But I think I think it's some of that the other stuff, the collateral stuff that's getting in the way.
2: Oh, absolutely. He's got to learn to be a little more correct. I mean, anyone else would do that; they'd all be think they're an they, No matter who would do what he's doing right now, they'd think he was an idiot. So,
0: right, yeah, right. Again, yeah, but,
3: yeah, no, but yes, again,
2: yeah. it, it, you look over that, and and it's he's not a terrible president so far.
0: No, I mean, th- I mean, he 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 delivered on a high quality appointee to the Supreme Court, Neil Gorsuch. We're going to talk about the confirmation hearings a little bit later on in the program. But yeah, I I think. The the problem, to me, if you believe the polls, the problem that Donald Trump has is its personality. It's not policy. I think, you know, when presented to the American people, the majority of people kind of support the temporary ban on immigration. I think people like what's going on with regard to business, the business community and the stock market and things like that. What's getting in the way is again the let's wake up at 5 30 in the morning with a wild hair up a certain part of our anatomy and let's send off a tweet that then of course the mainstream media jumps on and that becomes the story for two weeks um, if he would and I, I have no problems with using social media or the internet to try to go around or over or above or under the, the mainstream media and communicate directly with the electorate I just think that some of the things he's doing create a distraction Is he going to change his policy? Absolutely not. And I will tell you this, and this is, I mean, Ronald Reagan had very, very low poll numbers the first year and a half that he was in office. If you're going to have low poll numbers, the time to do it, if you're going to do stuff that's controversial, the time to do it is early in your term, because then, especially if the stuff you do do works, well, okay, by the time the next election cycle rolls around, people have forgotten about it. The poll numbers, not particularly great. I doubt, I am very skeptical of the polls, number one. And number two, Donald Trump's not going to change. I would like to see him act a little bit more presidential. Um, Big story number three is coming up. It was a horrible, horrible day internationally, nationally, statewide, and local when it comes to violence. We'll discuss 859, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So, James. Okay, we're ready. We do this this time. We're Insights. 2017, yes, April 19th at the uh, Country Springs Hotel. Tickets go on sale. You know, you know somebody's. So I, I think I can probably get you in there. Okay, so okay. tickets go on sale tomorrow at, at nine o'clock. All right. We're, we're, we're rolling out our, our guest lineup. Um, yesterday we announced that I'm going to be joined by not one, not two, but three justices from the state Supreme Court. How cool is that? That's you cool. Know? Uh, Justice Annette Ziegler, Justice Rebecca Bradley, Justice Dan Kelly. All right, so today we're, we're making another announcement of our guests, And the reason I asked you to hang around, not only because I, I love having you in the studio, well, of course, but also because this is, is right up your alley because before you came here to WTMJ um, you were you were at different radio stations that played like rock music and stuff like that yes all right so and I know that you are a huge music fan right I do, yes I do like me. absolutely mm-hmm. so all right this is our uh, another series of guests that, that we have for insight 2017 April 19th the Country Springs Hotel um, this is summerfest's 50th anniversary So I am going to be joined live and in person, not only, not only by Don Smiley, who is of course the CEO of of Summerfest, um, who's you know been there for years and years, and I think has has really done a a great job as being one of the architects of trying to you know upgrade the Summerfest grounds with an eye towards the future. So now, see some people, some people think that these are the actually because you almost never see them together. They think that they might be the same person, (laughs) but we're going to be joined by Don Smiley. And Bob Babish together. At on the same, same st- time. At the same time. I don't on, believe you. At the same time, <laughs> on the same stage. Absolutely. They will both join me. They're going to be on our guests on Insight 2017. And one of the things that's going to be cool, I think, is that um, I- I'm really not interested in... Who's playing at the Miller Light stage on a Tuesday night? You know, what, what I want to talk about with them is their, their backgrounds. That's the whole theme of our Insight 2017 this year. It's the people behind the headlines. Um... Babish is a fascinating guy. I mean, here's somebody who's been around for like four decades. You know, last time he was in the studio, we, we just we're we're riffing on different Summerfest stories. And I mean I, I wanna I wanna talk to him about the war stories. Can I, you I, imagine
4: some of the from the from some of the
0: early days? Oh, oh yeah, I mean that we were talking I mean, everybody says they were at the ice bowl. I was not at the ice bowl, but I was at Summerfest the night George Carlin got arrested oh, you for were? this. I, honest to goodness, Arlo Guthrie was the headliner, Siegel Schwal blues band, a Brewer and Shipley, one took over the line fame. Oh wow and george carlin i was i was there that night. i didn't know he had gotten arrested till the next day but i was in the audience that and actually babish and i were kind of riffing on it last time we talked but i mean you think about the war stories and all the different things that are there don smiley um fascinating guy you know he, he came to milwaukee from the um florida marlins you know he was an executive that's right baseball. Yeah. before that he was with i think L- the lpga golf tournament stuff but i i just I'm fascinated by how you get from one place to another and all the backstories and stuff. And so yeah, I mean, I guess you can find out anywhere about okay where you know, what's the next stage gonna be or you know, how long is it gonna be constructed or you know, the, like I said, who's playing Tuesday night? But it's the behind the scenes stories that we're gonna have. that you're not gonna get any place else. You're not gonna get any place else. So um, uh, two of our guests. And they're going to be on the stage together, dispelling any rumors at all that they're really the same person, because you rarely see them together twice. It's going to be at the same time. It's going to be Don Smiley and Bob Babish. They will be appearing together at Insight 2017. How about that? Very exciting. All right. Thank you for playing. <laughs> That's, but, you know, it, it actually, it, it just, it's just, uh, again, it's one of these very cool things. and. Um, what, what we're doing with Insight this year, uh, again, it's going to be at the Country Springs Hotel. The tickets, that I think, are $25 go on sale uh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. We'll be rolling out the, the guests that we have. And um, Insight this year, perhaps slightly different than it's been in the past, again, reflecting my individual tastes and, and interests, um, we're going to have a very diverse group of panelists. Like I say, we've got three justices from the state Supreme Court, and I, you just – you almost never. I, I, I don't. I won't say that. You know, you, you never have panels of the uh, justices of the Supreme Court that come into a setting like that. But I, I don't think you see that very often. So we'll have that. Uh, Don Smiley and Bob Babish um, talking about their backgrounds, their lives, and, uh, again, sir, Summerfest war stories and more exciting guests to announce um, over, again, the course of the next couple days. Uh, Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 9 o'clock. That is Insight 2017, April 19th at the Country Springs Hotel. We're back with big thing number three next. Stick around. It's 914 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's nine seventeen. Jeff Rafter, six twenty. WTMJ. The Brewers continue Cactus League action today against the Oakland A's. We've got the broadcast live from West Phoenix. Our coverage starts at two fifty five. Sponsored by your local Chevy dealers. Big thing number three, and there's just no way to say this delicately. Y- yesterday, when it comes to violence, was just a hell of a day. Um, we had in the mid morning. You had the story of the terrorist attack and I think they're treating this as a terrorist attack in in London if you've been to London chances are you've been over the Westminster bridge the um, have a guy who apparently as part of it a larger plot because they've arrested seven or eight people the attacker was British-born they describe and known to intelligence what the guy did was gets into a four-wheel drive vehicle drives across the bridge hitting pedestrians ends up getting ultimately out of the vehicle, stabs and kills a police officer before he is shot to death. Uh, Just, uh, again, one of these horrible sort of actions. It appears like it was part of a larger plot, more details emerging. But you you had that story. And then statewide, you had the the story out of Rothschild, which is up kind of in the Warsaw area, where a Metro police officer and three others dead following a shooting spree yesterday afternoon. This is the first officer in Wisconsin killed in the line of duty this year. It's it's just, and again, more details are starting to emerge. But the shootings began as part of what they're describing as a domestic situation. First report of disturbance came about 1230 when Rothschild officers were called to a Marathon Savings Bank. Officers found two people shot there and the customer and the suspect gone Um, More shots were reported around 1.10 p.m. from a a law firm in Schofield. Third call came at 1.30 from Aspen Street Apartments Complex in Weston, where the shooting suspect stayed for the remainder of the afternoon. Um, Officers communicated with him when he was inside the complex. Shortly before 2.30, SWAT teams entered the apartment building and um, ultimately were able to make, make an arrest. But, again, horrible horrible story you've got four people including a police officer dead in you know north central wisconsin and then then you have the the local story milwaukee home inspector killed in shooting this is the way the journal sentinel reports it a milwaukee department of neighborhood services employee was shot and killed wednesday while on duty according to city officials the man had worked for the city for 33 years and was a special enforcement inspector. Apparently, the, the man who was killed, 64-year-old man, uh, well-known to my friend Bob Donovan. Bob Donovan describes him as a longtime and devoted inspector, said they went on many walks, neighborhood walks. Um, the man worked with the community prosecution unit on the north and south side, among others. And this, I will tell you, has, has hit City Hall very, 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 very hard. Uh, police were called to the area of North 23rd and Cherry Streets about 2 p.m. to check on a man who was slumped over behind the wheel of the vehicle. When they arrived, they found that he had been shot. The inspector... And again, Bob Donovan has has identified him, apparently was going to be doing a housing inspection on the block, wearing a windbreaker, identifying him as a city employee, had a clipboard and official paperwork with him. And the the special enforcement inspectors, typically they they deal with the most serious problem properties in the, the city and one house on the block is subject to a monthly reinspection by special enforcement inspectors for failing to correct past building code violations per city records. Um, it's unclear if that was the house that the man was addressing at the, the time. The, it's also unclear, at least I think right now, whether he had actually done done the inspection or whether he was getting ready to do the inspection. But here you have somebody 64 years old just doing their job, who is shot, shot behind the wheel of the car, you know, in, in the city of Milwaukee. And Mayor Barrett is appropriately outraged. I, I think people in City Hall are are shocked. The police chief is outraged. Um, Alderman Donovan is clearly outraged and shocked. But, but here you have, you know, here you have a city, in this case, an inspector who's out there doing his job. And... Maybe it's going to turn out that this was just some random act, but I don't think anybody really thinks that. (sighs) Nothing you can do can bring him back. But, you know, I've talked to a number of people, and this isn't just defined to the city of Milwaukee. I know and have worked with a number of people over the years who do building inspections or who, you know, do social service work where they end up going into very, very either dangerous areas High crime areas or volatile situations, and again, I, and I got to imagine. You know, you think, okay, you're a building inspector. How, how how volatile could that be? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're you know one of these, if you're one of these inspectors, that's like a special enforcement inspector. I, I can imagine that that's a volatile situation. I can imagine that you're going to be dealing with some people sometime who don't necessarily like what you have have to say, and it, it's a job that puts you in some degree of risk. right, big thing number three, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Here's my question. Do we need to figure out a way to do more for these public employees that essentially you don't think – when you think about public employees who put their lives on the line, you, you think about firemen. You think about, you know, police officers, things like that. You don't necessarily think about building inspectors or social service workers or whatever. Do we need to do more to protect other public employees who are out in potentially dangerous areas doing potentially dangerous work? I mean, this guy was sitting with a clipboard and a windbreaker behind the seat of a vehicle when he was murdered. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll and Talk text, Talk and Text line. Do we need more to protect our public employees who we put in sometimes dangerous situations? It's 923. We're back to discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Nine twenty-six. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. What do the Badgers need to do to clinch a third Final Four appearance in the past four seasons? Former standout and current Dallas Maverick Devon Harris weighs in on his alma mater's tournament run when he joins Scufidi and Billstat one thirty-five today. Lois in Green Bay. Lois, good morning.
5: Hi. Good morning, Jeff. How are you?
0: I am well, thank you. Although stories like this just kind of go through me. Guy apparently just doing his job gets shot behind the wheel of a car in Milwaukee.
5: Yes, absolutely, and as I indicated to your screener, I've been doing this for about 25 years. I work for an insurance company, and I do frequent these areas quite a bit. We array a lot of habitational properties
3: mm-hmm. throughout
5: the city of Milwaukee, and um, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll try to visit these locations early in the morning. Right. Otherwise, I will also contact the agent that we're working with and maybe have him accompany me on the request. Right. But, um, you know, there's there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about myself being in harm's way.
0: See, and, and so are, are you an insurance adjuster, Lois? Is that what you do?
5: Um, I work in the loss control department. Okay. So basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. No, but I mean, you know, and, and that's... That's not a job that you know, typically somebody would think. Oh, you know, Lois is, is putting herself in harm's way. I mean, you just don't think of that necessarily that way. But I understand your point. You're saying, okay, I'm I'm going into some of these high crime areas. Um, mm-hmm. I'm perhaps sometimes people are going to be a little bit volatile, especially if they don't like the message that I'm delivering or, or very, whatever. Very
3: much so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and agreed.
0: that's that's always got to be kind of in the back of your mind. But the average it person always is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, is I think. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say I think you're smart in saying, okay, I, I want somebody else to meet me there um, just yeah. because, you know, I, I want to make sure something bad doesn't happen.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a different world today. I mean, I've, like I said, I've been doing this for 25 years, and um, it, it's much different today than it was 25 years
0: ago. So, yeah. no, no, thank, um, no, thanks for the call. I pre- and, see, that's – this is – this is a this is a tragedy. There, there's just no question about it. And like I said, I know this this is hitting City Hall extremely, extremely hard. And and there's nobody. I mean, wh- whoever did this is the one one to blame. I mean, there's, this is not something where I, I think you know people find fault. But but it does, it does I think underscore this effort that maybe sometimes you have to reassess. You know what what we're doing and make you you know, take a step back and say, look, it doesn't matter whether it's a building inspector or it doesn't matter whether it's a social services worker or a probation officer or whoever. You know, there's a lot of people that we don't think of necessarily being put in harm's way when the truth is we actually are putting them in harm's way given the fact that you're dealing with people who might be upset and people who might be volatile. And again, I think this might be an opportunity uh, to to take just a step back and say, all right, you no know, do we need to to look at saying all right we're this might be a volatile situation you know we have a history with different properties or or, or whatever uh, and and maybe we need to to have two people go out or, or things like that and I understand there's some people roll their eyes and say that might not be practical but but at the same time, you, you look at these things and you think about the people behind them. And I would say the same thing to the private sector. Folks like Lois, you know, whose job has them going into areas where, again, it's a volatile situation. Okay, she's an insurance adjuster, so maybe somebody isn't going to like the message that she is going to be delivering. And, and all of a sudden, you're just kind of out there, potentially a victim. I, I know this is a huge tragedy. I know the police are doing everything they possibly can to bring the perpetrator to justice, and that is completely appropriate. This is it, – it's just – it's a horrible sort of situation. Maybe, though, it also is an opportunity to kind of take a step back for all the people in the private sector and the public ser- and public service who work in these jobs that you don't necessarily think of as being hazardous or putting them at risk. Maybe it's an opportunity for everybody to take a step back and say, "Do we need to rethink the way we do business with some folks where we put them in harm's way?" It's 9.34. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, Brewer's first baseman, Eric Thames, is preparing for his first season back in the major leagues after a stint in Korea. How does he feel heading into his first campaign as a brewer? Here, Greg Matzik's exclusive interview with him in the Sports Central section of WTMJ's mobile app. Um, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Sometimes you should just let the squeaky wheel squeak. All right? This is contra- this controversy has kind of been brewing under the radar for a-, a while. And it's an interesting issue to me involving the local parks. Brown Deer Park is home of Brown Deer Park Golf Course, which is where, when they had the Greater Milwaukee Open or the U.S. Bank Open or whatever they used to call it, um, that that's where it was played. Um, I grew up playing golf at Brown Deer Park Golf Course. It, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful golf course, and it is clearly the the principal attraction that brings people to Brown Deer Park. If you can imagine Brown Deer Park, which is um, in Milwaukee, it's bordered by, I mean, Good Hope Road on on the south. You pull into Brown Deer Park, and there is a circular drive that runs through the park in front of the golf course. And that has been there since it was originally constructed. Now, now let me back into this, if you're not a golfer. Um, It's tough tough in the golf industry in, in Wisconsin. It's tough because the golf season is so very, very short. And competition is is intense. There's lots of really, really good golf courses that are out there. So you have a choice of all sorts of different places that you want to play. I, I think clearly Brown Deer Park is the gem. That golf course is, is the gem of the Milwaukee County Park System, which isn't to knock the other ones. But I mean, Brown Deer Park, I think, is a cut above. It's, it's, it's a really special track. Still, it's tough to make money in the golf business. One of the ways you... You do make money, though, is not just with the golf, but with other facilities that are there. Many of the really good golf courses around the area have driving ranges that are attached to them. And if, if you're not a golfer, a driving range is a practice thing. You, you go and you you buy a bucket of balls and, you, you know, you hit the balls, you warm up for your round. Or you don't have time to play the round, but, you know, you still want to, you've got a half hour, you're in the neighborhood, you stop off, you buy a bucket of balls, you hit them. And whereas it might cost you, I don't know, yet. You know, 25, 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, dollars to play a round of golf. Maybe a little bit more at Brown Deer. I'm not sure what the current thing is if you're a resident versus non resident. You know, you can, you know, you go to these golf ranges and they charge $10 or $12 for a bucket of balls and, you know, people hit them and they're done hitting them in, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. You can make a ton of money as a driving range, operating as a driving range, connected with a golf course, because almost anybody who's gonna wanna go and play a high-end golf course, you're gonna wanna warm up beforehand. So, you know, having a driving range as a way of generating revenue is very, very important. Now, here's the problem that Brown Deer Park has. The the, The way it is configured, there's this circular drive, which runs through the park, and the, the driveway essentially, the, the, the roadway essentially cuts off the, the golf course and the, the clubhouse from a field which is on the other side of it which currently serves as a driving range. The problem is the field, you know, they have woods in the back and the field is only like 190 yards long. So even a guy like me who is not a very good golfer I can hit the ball more than 190 yards. So what happens is you have this driving range where you have people that are going out and they're whacking golf balls and they're all going into the woods. You're not seeing them fly. It's just it's it's not that practical, you know, to use. So what they want to do, and when there used to be professional tournaments at Brownder Park, what they would do is they would close the portion of the circular drive that ran between the clubhouse and the driving range, they would close that, and then they would move the driving range back about 50 yards so you really had a, a real driving range. Well, you can't do that if cars are driving in front of this, right? That's just the way it, it works. You can't do that. So the proposal that was out there would have been to essentially close a portion of this circular drive to traffic um, permanently to allow this permanent driving range to to go in. Well, all right, and and everybody thought it made sense. I mean, okay, yes, it's not like the original design was in 1929, but okay, so what? You could still get around the park, um, but you might have to make, for example, you might have to, if you wanted to... If you wanted to go around the park in a car, you wouldn't be able to go completely around. But, you know, other than this one area in front of the golf course, you'd be able to do it. And people were saying, hey, this is going to be great. It's going to generate all this revenue. we should be able to do this matter of fact you had the golf team a cardinal stretch wanted to help underwrite the cost of this because they were their golf team was then going to use the driving range and things like that well you had some of the quote-unquote preservationists who started screaming oh this is just this terrible you know we, we can't we can't have this you can't close the roadway this will be awful and they started screaming and screaming and in the face of pressure, Cardinal Stritch backed off on its commitment to, you know, essentially, you know, fund half of the improvement. They said, We don't want to get into the middle of this controversy. And now what's happened is apparently the County Parks Department has decided, all right, we're we're not going to do this. We're going to we're going to give in to the people who were saying we want to have this full loop we're, we're gonna. We're not going to do this anymore. At least, according to the Journal Sentinel, what they say is that we're going to have this like redesign where we're going to kind of run the Parkway up by the clubhouse. We're going to try to put in this new road. We still don't know how we're going to come up with funding for these type of things, but we're not going to close the the circle. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now, I understand, you know. You might say, okay, Jeff, why, why does anybody care about this about a driving range going in at a particular golf course or something? But to me, the larger issue here is, yes, you, you have a Milwaukee County, Milwaukee County Park, and, and yes, you have the park that was designed to have this, say, circular thing there. The easy, common-sense, cheap solution would just be to close the road in front of the clubhouse to allow for the expanded driving range which would generate a ton of revenue to help support the golf course and maybe help support other golf courses. But you have some people that are screaming, no, 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 we, we can't do this. This is going to be terrible. So now they're kind of, they've are they got some Rube, Rube Goldberg fix where they're going to try to reroute this thing, and it's going to cost a whole bunch of money, and it's probably going to delay this for a year or two if it, in fact, ever happens. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is there's a number of you who are golfers who played out of brand. Park who know how badly they need an improved driving range. Would it have been the end of the world to just close off that circular that circular path to cars in front of, of the clubhouse? Would that really have been the end of the world, devastating people's access to the parks? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, to me, this underscores... The the, the overall problem that you're – we because something was always one way, there are some people who insist, oh, there can't be any changes at all. And so what we end up doing is saying, all right, what people want to do now is different than perhaps what they wanted to do 60 or 70 years ago. We have revenue opportunities that do not change the character of the park, but yet because a handful of people scream – we have to come up with all these different alternatives. All right. does it Would it have been the end of the world, especially if you're familiar with Brown Deer Park or that golf course, would it have been the end of the world, seriously, to close off that street in front of the clubhouse to allow for an expanded driving range? It's 943. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 947. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. See, I want to see Milwaukee County, the parks, grow, thrive, and survive. And one of the keys is figuring ways to monetize things. Brown Deer Park is a jewel of a golf course, the Brown Deer Park golf course. But nowadays, especially for high-end golf courses, you need to have a driving range that is attached to them. Driving ranges attached to good golf courses are licenses to print money. They, they, They just are because people will go and they'll, they'll spend $10 or $15 or whatever that costs for a bucket of balls, and they'll hit them in 20 minutes. You know, a round of golf, you pay you know, $75 or whatever, and that's five hours. It's a license to print money. Brown Deer Park has a very, very inadequate driving range right now. And the solution that I think everybody thought was going to be a great idea is just block off a part of the circular drive. You can extend the driving range. It's fine now they have been essentially forced by the county parks department they've rethought it because a couple people complain chris in milwaukee chris you're on 620 wtmj good morning hi how are you very well thank you sir what do you think
4: well i agree with you on a a lot of points but uh... the one thing that stuck out is the hundred ninety yards i mean as a passionate golfer i've been out there many times and i like the short game area you've got the putting green, uh... and you do need improvement that's the one thing that always sticks out to me but it is not 190. Uh, take that from an avid average golfer, or an avid golfer. Uh, it's closer to 300, but yeah, it does need improvements. So I, I just think it's impractical to to divert the traffic that does come through right by the clubhouse. We've got people back and forth from the putting green. You're just you're begging for an accident there. But then, yeah, you've, you do kind of have that miscellaneous area in the middle. But yeah, I just think you know you, you improve what you've got. You know, the hitting area kind of sucks, and there's no mm-hmm. greens to hit at. So you work on that. And then you do something creative with that big nice strip that was only used, you know, for the GMO when it when they had it. But you know, do something with that. But yeah, I don't think it's smart to put all that traffic by the clubhouse. I just think that's an
0: accident waiting to happen. Well, right. So your that's that. I guess I just think aesthetically, uh, aesthetically. Yeah, you know, sure. I don't think yeah, I don't got got think it to
4: hurts. Do some stuff and yeah, yeah, you make it. You know, you have got a championship golf course. You know, you sure. have you got to have the. The practice f- facility that right. matches up with
0: that, and people are willing to pay the money to do that. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, right. Pe- Absolutely. right. People are thanks. And see, that's where he did. Now, I, I, I will say, and I mean, w- with all due respect, I, I mean, I'm looking at the story in the paper, and this has been pretty consistent, and it's it. It's my experience as well. The way the range is set up now on the. Opposite side of the road from the clubhouse, Um, they say it's 190 yards to the woods. Balls from the ranges can only be hit 190 yards before they get lost in a wooded area at the rear of the range. By realigning the roadway behind the range built for the GMO, this would be, again, moving the driving range facility closer to the clubhouse, golfers would be able to hit balls 245 to 300 yards before reaching the woods um, it would also clear space for a second driving range just in front of the PGA range in the space where the existing roadway is located, and this would then allow people to... You, you could move the T's around so stuff didn't get you know as beat up as fast. I, I guess I just... I, I look at this, and it's one of these things where I kind of wonder, you know, wh- what are we talking about with... What are we talking about with, you know, with, with regard to progress and all? And if the reason... If you want to argue that, hey, there's a safety issue to not closing off the roadway or something like that, I I get it. But this idea that, well, you know, when they designed the park in 1929, it had this circular pathway through it, so now even though it doesn't make any sense, you know, 90 years later, or even though we have a better, more efficient use of this, that heaven forbid is going to raise some revenue to help underwrite the costs of operating the golf courses. No, you know, we, we end up with, oh, some people complained they didn't like it, so we're going to back down. Huh. 952, Jeff Wagner, coming up in two or three minutes. Is it time for the nuclear option? Stick around. Yeah. It's 9.54, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in about 15 minutes, I call the segment Dealer's Choice. It might be one of the most talkable topics of the day. Some Republican legislators are considering increasing the retirement age for new state employees, and some of the usual suspects are screaming bloody murder. We'll discuss whether it's really all that outrageous. Um, Right now, though, it appears to me more and more likely that you are going to see the nuclear, you're going to see the U.S. Senate go nuclear. Um, This is the third day of Judiciary Committee hearings involving President Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, uh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, As I said when the president made this nominee, this nomination, um, this is a home run for everybody Myself included, who was wondering, you know, what type of person will President Trump, if he's elected, appoint to the Supreme Court? Will he really appoint a a qualified conservative? That those fears were put to rest. Um, Judge Gorsuch is—he is the type of person and the type of jurist who is ideally suited for the United States Supreme Court. Now, I understand why people on the left wouldn't like him, but that you know, elections have consequences, and. He is conservative, like some of Barack Obama's appointees were, were liberal. But that doesn't mean that he is not qualified for the job. So for, you know, you, you had days of hearings, and essentially the Democrats were completely and totally unable to lay a glove on him. He did as good a job, I think, as any nominee has done in a long time. You know, he he, he was challenged, he was attacked, and he, he kept his composure there were no mistakes. There were no flubs, nothing like that. As a matter of fact, the, the hearings, which opened with all sorts of intensity earlier this week, um, the, the the attention started to wane as it became clear that there wasn't any sort of smoking gun, that there was no there there. All right, but regardless, because it is a Trump appointee, and the Democrats are under incredible pressure from the left, the Democratic senators to do nothing at all to cooperate with Donald Trump appointees, um, he's going to be confirmed 52 to 48. Well, here is the problem. In the Senate, you can still filibuster a judicial nominee for the Supreme Court. Harry Reid changed the rules back when the Democrats had the majority in the U.S. Senate to, to eliminate the filibuster option for federal judges, district judges, and appellate court judges, but they left the filibuster option in place for the Supreme Court judges. The filibuster option meaning you need sixty you need sixty people to agree to end the, the filibuster. Well, Reid did away with it for other judges when the Democrats were in power. So now you have a situation where you have the Democrats who aren't even arguing anymore that uh, Judge Gorsuch isn't qualified. They're just simply saying, well, we're mad because Merrick Garland didn't get a hearing, so we're upset about that. The latest tactic has been to say, well, we we now know that uh, Trump, AIDS are under investigation by the FBI to determine whether there was collusion with Russia. So we're not going to vote on this. Or we're not going to allow a vote to take place until the FBI completes its investigation. Now, what one has to do with the other, Lord only knows. But that's the argument that's being made. Well, Republicans, and including, I think, Senator Ron Johnson, have been because they appreciate the traditions of the Senate, they have been reluctant to do what Harry Reid did a few years ago, which is change the rules to benefit the party in power. It is looking more and more likely, though, that the Democrats are not going to give Gorsuch an up or down vote. They're going to filibuster this absent a rule change. So um story I was looking at yesterday, um, John Thune, who is the... From he's the number three person in the Senate. He's from South Dakota. I mean, he essentially said yesterday, "Look, this guy is getting a vote, and if the Democrats decide that they want to, you know, use the filibuster to try to deny him a vote, we are prepared to do what Harry Reid did for other judicial appointments. We are prepared to change the, the rules. So now the ball is is back in the court of the Democrats. Is this is this really the political hill that they want to die on? Because one way or the other, they, they will lose. You know, either they'll give – they have to give the guy an up or down vote and vote against him and he'll get qu- confirmed for 52 to 48 – Or alternatively, you can say we're gonna try to filibuster this, at which point in time the Republicans will change the rules moving forward, and then he's still gonna get confirmed 52 to 48. So the question becomes, is this the fight that you end up wanting to pick on an eminently qualified um, Supreme Court nominee? But at the end of the day, there's not too much the Democrats can do, because if they force the hands, the Republicans are ready for the nuclear option, and that is good news. Coming up in just a couple minutes, should we raise the retirement age? Stick around. It's 959 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1010 Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. A couple quick programming notes. Um, we were originally scheduled to have uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives Paul Ryan join us at 1145 today. Um, we've had to cancel that because of the way it was described to me is the fluidity of the situation involving the 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 repeal and replace thing that's going on when when we originally booked it 2 days ago i think the, the general assumption was that uh, there would be enough votes to pass this and, you know, we could discuss what was going to happen. Um, right now, it is very, very much up in the air as to whether the Republicans have enough votes and whether they're going to be able to, you know, hold enough Republican votes to to essentially pass something and send it on to the U.S. Senate. And so I certainly understand that i think uh congressman ryan's probably doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes to try to you know figure out where this actually stands and probably some arm twisting and some negotiation we will have him on in the very near future uh number two insight 2017 wednesday april 19th at the country springs hotel the tickets go on sale at nine o'clock tomorrow uh this year we're doing a little bit differently um same sort of general format but i think you're going to find a more there's going to be a degree of diversity to the the guests. Um, we're going to be joined by three members, not one, not two, but three sitting members of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. We're going to be joined. We announced today it is Summerfest's 50th anniversary. We've, of course, partnered with Summerfest in connection with our big free ride giveaway. We're going to be giving away the vehicle on the final day of Summerfest. But um, I'm going to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley and Vice President in Charge of Entertainment Bob Babish. And so we're going to be talking about Summerfest future, present, and, and also... Also passed. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. We'll be rolling out more guest announcements over the next couple of days as well. But um, Insight 2017, Wednesday, April 19th at the Country Springs Hotel. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 9 o'clock. In addition, um, still getting a lot of feedback on this. I would encourage you to, you know, go to WTMJ.com, check out our mobile app. Uh, a lot of people are downloading the podcast. So if you like the program, you like what you hear, but you, you don't have three and a half hours solid to listen to the show, you can download the podcast, listen to it at your convenience. And I know a lot of people do that. In addition, we, we broadcast, we podcast a number of the other regular WTMJ shows and then You'll also see some special podcasts, some voices that you do not hear on a regular basis on the radio. So check them all out, WTMJ.com, the mobile app section. You can download the podcasts. All right. This is the segment of the program I call Dealer's Choice. It is not necessarily, although sometimes it is, the biggest story of the day, but it's one that I find to be incredibly interesting. I think it's very talkable and, and hope that you will as well. We are living longer. We are working longer. There was, you know, a point in time in this nation's history where the the lifespan of the average, you know, American male or female was what in, in the 50s, early 60s. You know, if if you made it to 55, you were doing great. Nowadays, we are because we take better care of ourselves because we have advances in modern medicine. Um, we're, we're we're living longer, and that means in many cases. In order to have the type of retirement we want, we we work longer. In addition, one of the things that's changed over the last several decades is it it used to be you worked for a company, and oftentimes you'd work for the company your entire life, you'd you'd retire, and then that company would have a a pension. And you could, in addition to your Social Security, you could use that pension to kind of supplement your, your income. Pensions have, by and large, gone the way of the dinosaur. And, and typically, the only companies you find pensions in now, and I appreciate that there are some exceptions, but generally, it's either going to be unionized shops or it's going to be government workers. Um, outside of that, there's not too many pensions. Where the company I worked for used to be Journal Broadcast. That when I first started here, they, they had a pension. System and you know some people did very very well out of that and continue or stand to do very very well. Uh, I think I was here for two or three, four or five years, whatever. When they did away with the pension in favor of contributions to your four hundred one k, they'll make some matches. So I think my I think my pension from Journal is about four hundred dollars a month, and I'm not sneezing at four hundred dollars a month. But I'm not going to retire to the south of France on four hundred dollars a month. But but that's the way it's gone more and more companies are saying we're not going to fund the pension plans because they're very very expensive so what we'll do is we'll match your savings and your 401ks or things like that okay government workers is where there is an exception and you know generally speaking if you work for the government you're going to be entitled to a a pension there are two republican legislators dewey strobel is a state senator out of saukville and uh tyler august who's a representative from lake geneva they are going to be introducing some legislation that would affect state employees. Now, let me say it at the beginning. This legislation would not affect current state employees with regard to when they could retire. This would be for new hires. Right now, for public safety workers, public safety workers are allowed to retire at the age of 50. Non-public safety workers are allowed to retire and start collecting pension benefits at the age of 55. This bill would raise the age that public safety workers could retire at from 50 to 52. So, for example, if you're a police officer or a state division of criminal investigation investigator, before you could retire, you would have to be 52 years old. If you were a non-public safety worker, you could retire. Instead of being able to retire at 55 with full benefits, you would have to work until you were 60. This would just apply to new workers. There's also another aspect of this which would base your pension on your average high five years of work as opposed to your average high three years of work. So it would probably reduce. Typically what happens is in your last three years, you're probably making more. Um, By averaging it over five years, the pensions would probably be a little less. But the aspect of this that I want to talk about is the idea of raising the retirement age for state workers from 55, and this would be new employees, from 55 until 60, unless you're, again, a law enforcement worker, a public safety worker, then you'd have to wait till 52 to retire instead of 50. 414-799-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Um, The the estimates are that by putting these requirements in place, if you put them in place now, you could save tens of millions of dollars a a year. Um, but, But this is only going to apply to new hires. Now, some of the detractors are saying, well wait a second. If you say that you're gonna to have to work to fifty two instead of fifty, if you're in public safety, people aren't gonna apply for the jobs. If you say that you're gonna to have to work to sixty instead of fifty five, people aren't gonna aren't gonna apply for the jobs. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, that's the Akinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this unreasonable? And again, if you're in the current system now, this isn't gonna impact you. But would it really hurt recruiting if if you said to I don't know, a twenty-four-year-old who is you know looking for a career in government, by the way, you're gonna have to work till sixty instead of fifty-five before you can retire with a full pension. Four one four seven nine nine-one six twenty is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Ten eighteen Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Ten twenty one, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. All right. Uh, new proposal that's being floated by a couple Republicans in the legislature, which would say for new employees, new employees for the state, uh, the retirement age, if you're in law enforcement, if you're in public safety, would be raised from 50 to 52. If you're currently in, it doesn't affect you. Um, for regular state employees, it would be raised from 55 to 60. And, some people are, and it would save a whole bunch of money if, if you did that. Um, some people are saying, oh, that, that's awful. If you do this, it's going to make it impossible to recruit people for the jobs. Is that really the case? Let's start with Todd in Go, Todd, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
6: Hey, good morning, Jeff. How are you doing?
0: Real well, thank you. What do you think?
6: Well, I'm a retired uh, law enforcement officer. I retired the end of last year at age 56 uh, with Waukesha County. I'm in the state retirement
3: right, sure. system.
6: You know, the, the, the thing that you bring up and people don't seem to understand is, yes, you have the ability to go at age 50, but there's an 18% penalty to your pension if you go at that age. So now that would be moved to 52. Uh, in my experience, in all of the years, almost 25 years of law enforcement that I put in, very few, if any, people retire at age 50, mm-hmm. they, because of that penalty, so 53 was, with 25 years of service, is the earliest you go without a penalty. Uh, additionally, just to make mention, a, a lot of people seem to be confused on this, is they think that law enforcement has, has care when they retire, and mm-hmm. that's not true in probably 95% of the cases.
0: Let me ask you this: uh, Do you think, Todd, yeah. that if, if they did something like this, it would affect recruitment? I mean, were you think when when you signed up to, to, to work, you know, to, to work in law enforcement, when were, were you thinking? Gee, I'm doing this because I, I can retire at fifty, as opposed to fifty two. I guess I'm just I don't think it would hurt recruitment. I guess that's sort of my reaction.
6: No, I was thinking that I would retire at fifty four, which I didn't. I mm-hmm. retired at fifty six uh, because at fifty four. With 25 year or 50, mm-hmm. it was 53 with 25 years of service, which I I didn't have at the time. Uh, so I worked the 56, like I said, I got a later start. But the the, the person, the reason that, uh, let's say, recruitment, as we know all know, yourself included, is is a problem right now for law enforcement mm-hmm. in general, just because the way things have gone and and uh, well, sure. But know, I guess I get, just
0: don't, and I, I appreciate that. I guess I just don't think. I'm not convinced it's the I'm not convinced that it would become worse if you up the retirement age two years. I think that there's all sorts of other reasons why. And I certainly understand why people might want not want to choose not to be a police officer nowadays, for example. Yeah,
6: correct. Correct. Uh, The big carrot when when you got into this field, number one, obviously, you wanted to be involved in this type of work. Sure. Uh, Number two was that you did get to retire early and you had number three, you had really good benefits now. I don't want to get into a whole other subject. Right. <laughs> right. Act 10, you know, came into effect, and that changed a lot with with the benefit structure, especially for health care and high deductibles and everything else. But that's a whole other issue. Uh, but, yeah, the early retirement was one of the big reasons a lot of people, myself included, did get into law enforcement because, and again, number one, you wanted to do the job, serve the people sure. where you work and provide a good service, but you did get to retire early and that that was a, a, a big oh, factor sure. along
0: with the benefits. Well sure and I and appreciate it. I mean thanks the call time. I mean I appreciate that, but at the same time, you're still you're still getting in, in for example law enforcement, you're still getting the option of, of retiring early. I mean I and, and look I I, I don't I, I appreciate like for example law enforcement does it does a very, very hard job. But the truth is you know, unless you've got health concerns or something like that, I mean, at the age of fifty-five, are most people really ready to retire? I mean, I'm I'm over the, I'm older than fifty-five. It would have driven me crazy if I retired at fifty-five. You know, I just I, I would have four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Don in Menominee Falls. Don, good morning.
2: Yeah, Jeff. Uh, actually, the previous caller said most of what I was going to say. The only point of clarification I'd make beyond that is for non-public safety. Um, it's not entirely accurate that folks can retire at fifty five uh... with full pension if somebody has thirty years into the system then they can retire without a penalty at right. fifty-seven. But his comment about the penalty applies to the other folks as well. So it was just a point of clarification.
0: Right, you need right you need the thirty years in to get that. Now, minimum, now the minimum retirement age is fifty-five, right? Right, and you yeah. take
2: a huge penalty for right. that. Just, so, so most people don't do it, as the previous caller said. Yeah,
0: let me ask you this, Don. Do you think? Again, from from a recruiting perspective, and this would this would only affect new employees. So you know it, it yeah. doesn't affect anybody in the system. Do you think, for example, it would make somebody less likely to work for the government coming out of college or something if they thought, hey, I have to work till sixty instead of fifty five to get you know, my full benefits?
2: In in and of itself, I don't know that it would make a big difference. I think it would depend on the total package that exists at that mm-hmm. time. You know, there's so much flux, so many changes going on. Yeah, I think it would depend on the full picture, um, but in and of itself, not necessarily.
0: Yeah, I mean, thanks. I mean, I guess I just, I understand there is a point in time where you start thinking about retirement. But I, I remember, for example, my 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 first real professional job, not including like working for an insurance company between college and law school. I mean, I I get out of I get out of law school. I get a job offer from the United States Attorney's Office, so I'm. I'm 25 years old or, or whatever. I, I mean, I was not thinking about the retirement benefits. That was the—I have to tell you—that it never crossed my mind. Gee, 30 years from now, well, am I going to be able to retire? Am I, I going to have to work in you know, a 35 years or whatever? That—that's—I'm thinking. My God, I've got this job offer. And it's a great job, and I'm going to be a federal prosecutor. I'm going to have all these exciting things. I guess I just don't think that your typical 25 or 30 year old who is thinking about making a career in government service is thinking about gee, do I have to work to 55 or 57 or 60 when they're making those decisions? Now, maybe, you know, maybe people are are different, but I don't think so. And if this can save millions and millions of dollars, and as long as you say up front, this is the rule going in, I don't think this will affect recruitment one iota. It's 1027, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Mm Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jane, before I throw this to you, it's just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the latest of this, this the Obama- Obamacare re- repeal, re- repeal bill, mm-hmm. which is still kind of in flux. Like I said, we're supposed to be joined by Paul Ryan. They had to cancel it because they're, they're trying to figure out what what's going on here. <laughs> you, you know, you could not pay me enough to take Ryan's job. It, it's, it must be kind of like herding cats because you have, you have none of the Democrats are going to vote for, for this because they don't want to do anything to take away any of the entitlement programs under Obamacare. So you've got a Republican majority, but the problem is you've got a handful of real conservatives, the conservative, that the Freedom Caucus, and the Koch brothers are also saying, we think we think that what Paul Ryan and the president are doing, we don't think that goes far enough. (laughs) You know, so, so, you know, we, it's, it's like, so Ryan's like, okay, I I got nothing from the left because they don't want me to touch it at all. The right is giving me all sorts of static because they don't think we go far enough here. And you're trying to get enough votes to get this kind of done. It's it hurting cats. That's probably the best way I could describe it. That's why they make the big money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and we'll continue to keep you updated. Um, They're still promising a vote on this. Now, I can't. My guess, my guess, what's going to happen is they're going to cut some sort of deal to get enough votes to pass this, so it goes on to the Senate with the idea that there might be some amendments that are are made. But I, if, if they don't have the votes, I can't see Speaker Ryan taking it to the floor. My guess is some version of this passes, but I think just like you don't like to watch sausage being made, I'm not sure it's going to be pretty behind the scenes out uh, in Washington. But we'll continue to keep you posted. 1037, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. Is appointment television making a comeback? Check out Gene Miller's latest blog, where he examines the resurgence of Saturday Night Live ever since the November election. It's up now on the Wisconsin Morning News page of WTMJ.com. I, I had to ask Jane Mataner if I heard her right during her newscast, and, and because yesterday we had another... One of the co-sleeping deaths. I mean, the story yesterday was um, unsafe sleep-related death of a two-month-old baby girl. Child appears to have been sharing an adult bed with her her mother. This was, I believe, the the fifth the fifth death so far this year, and we're only in March. Uh, Of children babies dying in unsafe sleep environments so actually I kind of had worked this up as something I was going to make an observation about and then I'm listening to the newscast and I had to ask Jane did I really hear you right so you know now you had number five you have now had number six Uh, another a baby apparently died just over in the last day or whatever um, sleeping again an unsafe sleeping situation I don't think it was an adult It might have been with an older child or something like that and it just I I just, I continue to wonder what is going on in, in Milwaukee. Last, last year, there were 15 unsafe sleep, sleep deaths in all of 2016. Now, by my count, we're, we're just, we're not even through March, and and we already have six. I I don't know if you have this, and that seems to me to be a huge number. It just seems to be a huge number. Um, In some cases, it's again you know parents adults who've gotten drunk or high or whatever and pass out and this happens other times it, it's not but but 15 last year 6 now already this year and we're not through march so if you extrapolate that out you're talking about we're on a pace for well more than than 15 but these are and I understand some public health people try to kind of minimize this because they say, well, you know the number of children who die in these unsafe sleep conditions is is just it's it's minuscule, comparing the when you look at the the number of uh, of people, the, the high infant mortality rate that we have overall. and And I understand that, but that misses the point. I mean, that misses the point. The, these unsafe sleeping deaths, the co-sleeping deaths, the whatever you want to call it. Is completely and totally preventable there's a lot of stuff that has to do with the infant mortality rate that that there's things that you you cannot control but when it comes to co-sleeping you can control it And, and yet for whatever reason we continue to have this persistent problem in the city of Milwaukee in particular where you have parents or aunts or uncles or whatever who think it is a good idea to bring their small children with them into bed let them share the beds and then end up rolling over and killing them and i guess i appreciate this whole idea and there's a story in the paper about this this morning about how well again people are saying well there there's high infant mortality rates and so that's the real that's the real concern well infant mortality rates is a legitimate concern but this this co-sleeping um, the the baby crushing, you know, co sleeping is just a euphemism for baby crushing. This is something that is completely and totally preventable. I mean, all right, my little dog is five pounds nine ounces. I I I will not let that dog sleep. I will not let my dog sleep on the bed with me because, again, it's one of those things you're afraid you're going to roll over. And that's my that's my dog. I mean. Who brings these, these children into bed with them? And especially in some of these cases where it's it's after you've consumed alcohol or whatever. It appears now six co-sleeping deaths so far this year, 15 last year. To me, that is a major health crisis, just saying. All right. I admit that I think this whole, the whole topic of transgender students and locker rooms and bathrooms has gotten way more attention than than it deserves in the big picture. To me, the simple solution for for all of this has been if you have a, a student who is uncomfortable using a locker room that associates with their biological gender. The the, the easy solution is they, they change, you, you, you let them use uh, a gender-neutral bathroom, a unisex bathroom, you let them change in, a, in again, that, that that area. You set up this neutral changing area. To me, that is the way that you handle this. Now, of course, that's not acceptable to the left because they, they want to make this point, well, if you're a transgender student, you have the same rights as anybody else, and you have the right to choose where you want to go. Well, all, all right, it, it Fine. But then you have the situations like you had at UWM a while ago where you have somebody who had decided, born a male, lived as a male till they're 18 or 19 years old, had not begun the transformation process, so they got all the male body parts and everything, and decide they want to hang out in the sauna at UWM, the girls' sauna, well, women's sauna. Well, okay. And, and, and if any of the women are bothered by this, the argument is that it's their problem. Well, no, it's not necessarily their problem. So here's, here is the story. Um, this comes from Illinois. Um, high school kid has now, uh, it's actually from Pennsylvania, has now filed suit in federal court alleging that he, he is being discriminated against as a result of the transgender policy that the school has. So here's the deal. The kid is a high school junior. He's a boy. Um, He is changing into his gym clothes in the locker room. So for a mandatory physical education class. So it's mandatory, he's in the locker room, he's changing, stripping down. Um, He looks over and he sees a student wearing shorts and a, a bra That's um, that is now changing. And so what it turns out is that this is it's a female student with female body parts who identifies as a male, um, but they're 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 changing in the, the boy's locker room and the kid, the boy becomes uncomfortable changing his clothes. In front of somebody who is biologically, at this point in time, a, a female, so he goes and he says, uh, "Well, I mean, the allegations of the lawsuit is that he experienced immediate confusion, embarrassment, humiliation, and loss of dignity upon finding himself in this circumstance." He said, "Hey, I'm, you know, I I, I got to change into my gym clothes. They make me get naked. I'm looking over, and there is, there is biologically a girl who is changing next to me." and I'm uncomfortable doing this so he goes to the school officials and he says I am uncomfortable doing this and the school officials say too bad so sad it's your problem you have to tolerate the situation and you have to figure out a way to make it as natural as possible so the fact that you are uncomfortable Changing and dressing in front of people of the opposite sex, at least biologically, that's your problem, and you got to deal with it, pal. Um, and he says, and, and he says, wait a second, I, don't I have any privacy rights? I mean, don't I have any privacy rights? So he starts to complain about this. The again, transgender community says, all right, if this kid's got a problem. Getting naked in front of somebody who is, again, biologically a female, who identifies as a male, the transgender community says, hey, it's his problem, and he's the one that should be forced to use the unisex changing room because the transgender student, who is, again, biologically female, but, you know, identifies as a male, their rights to choose the locker room of their choice essentially trumps. No pun intended. Trumps the right of the biological boy to be comfortable in not undressing in front of members of the opposite sex. He has now filed a lawsuit, saying, "Hey, I have privacy rights too, and the school is violating my privacy rights." Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right. Th- does this does this kid have an issue? And I mean, I guess think if this was you when you were a junior in high school, or think if you know, this, this were your, your kid. Maybe, you know, switch around. Uh, imagine, okay, you've got a, you've got a freshman girl, um, who's mandatory gym class, so you got to change. She's changing her clothes in the locker room. You look over, and there is biologically, there is somebody changing clothes next to them that's got all the boy body parts. Okay. Um, your, your daughter says that she's uncomfortable with this, and the school says, too bad. It's your problem. You've got to deal with it. Is that is that a legitimate objection, or was the school right to say to this kid, "Hey, you know, the 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 lesbian the, les- the um transgender child has rights here. You know, you got a deal. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the accurate Mortgage Talk and Text line. Should the kid does the kid have a point? He's now filed a lawsuit saying, "Hey, I've got privacy rights. What happens to me?" Ten fifty. Jeff Wacker. Six twenty. WTMJ. Kevin in Brookfield. Kevin. Good morning.
1: Hey. Good morning, Jeff. Hey. Um, the young man that you spoke about. Uh, in my opinion, he has every right to
0: sue for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I have three children: a boy and two girls, and I want. The, I only want them in a locker room where they can have their privacy. This is. This is what I find is just uh, an. Incredibly wrong argument from the transgender community. Right, that, that
0: their that their rights to choose where they want to to change clothes trumps the right of of your child to their their right of privacy. And if they're, if if your fourteen year old daughter is uncomfortable getting changing her clothes next to somebody who identifies as a female but still has male body parts, it's your kid's problem. And that, and that, you're, that's you're insulting.
1: In my opinion, you're violating my child's rights.
0: Yeah, I I right and and so the response here is well okay if the kids the, first of all the kid has to deal with it and if he doesn't want to deal with it the again the transgender community says he's the one that should have to go and you know change in the other locker room. Well, okay, <laughs> that, that, does he that's have no that's rights?
1: unfair for an adolescent. You can't ask a 12 or a 14 year old girl to to that, that's completely unfair. I, I don't it, even have the maturity to
0: deal with it. Right, now, that,
1: th- that's why it's so wrong-headed.
0: No, that go. I I agree with you. Know, I to me i have always again the easy solution is you have the tra- you have the gender neutral locker room where the the child who identifies as an opposite sex from what they are biologically goes and changes that that's to me that is the easy way to to solve this bathrooms i acknowledge that's a little bit different because you've got stalls and you've got different degrees of privacy, but this locker room issue where and again this in this case it's a mandatory physical education class, so they are required by the school to be in the locker room, they are required to change their clothes into their gym clothes, so the school is making the kids change, and yet they're saying, hey, it's your problem if you are changing your clothes next to a member of the opposite sex biologically." connie in menominee falls connie good morning good morning how are you i am well thank you what do you think about all this
3: i
5: agree 100 percent with the young man i give him a lot of credit for standing up to the ridiculousness of what's going on in the schools. i it's just wrong on every level at what point do we just not call a state a state if the girl has girl potty parts get your little butt into the girl's locker room you know when my son was younger he thought he was a cat.
0: Was I supposed to put him in a kennel because he thought he was a cat? I mean, <laughs> well, seriously. Well, I, I mean, look, and, and I guess I see. To, to me, to me, I, I mean, I understand that there's a, a a small number of of people who deal with these transgender issues, and I appreciate that's that's a legitimate thing. But but as long as you know, as, as long as you're still in the transitioning phase or as long as you're just still trying to figure out what you are and you're biologically, you know, you're of one sex. I mean, I I, I agree. It's either get into the locker room where you're biologically identified with the sex, of the, the, where the, you, it's your biological sex, or, you know, you use an independent training room, changing room. That's fine, but I, I don't, this idea that people who don't, Deal with this who are, or aren't transgender don't have any privacy rights. I think is insulting. You know, thank no thanks to call. I mean I, that's that's what the aggravating thing is to me. And again, I, I I appreciate that you have a limited number of of students who are transgender, and I think you want to be sensitive to that. But I don't know about you, but I, I think most people are uncomfortable with their body anyways. By the time when they're in high school, and would regardless would jump at the chance to go into the, like to have their own little private changing area. John on the east side. John, good morning here at 620 WTMJ.
1: Yes, good morning, good morning. I I actually agree with you also. I simply think that transgender people could agree to the understanding that until you've had the biological change, you should not declare yourself as a transsexual. Transvestiting simply isn't, that's a disguise. Just trans change your clothes.
0: That's the disguise. That's yeah, but not- I mean, I think I guess I want to stop you there because I, again, there's always a process that people go through, and we're talking about transgender students, not just people who like to, not not just people who like to dress up in, who who enjoy dressing up, you know, as members of the opposite sex. I mean, this is a different sort of level, and, and I, I mean, I appreciate that it's a real issue, but I guess what really struck me about this is that this notion that people who might be uncomfortable with the situation, that they have no rights, that, that their, their position doesn't matter, and they're the ones that have to cope. So, uh, again, if you're the, in this case, the, the, the 16-year-old boy who has body, you know, we always think about this as being reversed, but you're the 16-year-old boy who's got body issues or whatever who doesn't, feel comfortable getting naked in front of or next to somebody who, while they identify as a boy, is is a girl biologically. You tell the kid that that's his problem. Let's talk to Mitch in Sturgeon Bay. Mitch, good morning. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mitch.
1: Well, of course, we all know that the purpose of civil rights is for members of, of a minority or a minority opinion to be able to have their rights, which is certainly more important than the preferences of the majority we're not talking about this here um what you're going to see and this is an important thing that that uh... the business boy protests maybe makes a court case out of this because let's say the majority of us feel that it should be gender bathrooms and locker rooms you know if there's ninety percent of us that think that way that's not what rules it but you know within that ninety percent We're all individuals, and we all have individual rights, and that's how this is
2: going to have to be decided.
0: Yeah, no, I I think thanks for calling me. I I mean, again, you you have first of all, I I, and I agree with the Trump administration where they rolled back some of the Obama rules. I don't think you have a constitutional right um, to to. I don't think you have a constitutional right to be able to decide. Which locker room you change in? I I just, I somehow, I, I kind of missed that. So I don't think there's a constitutional right to do it. I guess states can have laws that say that, but to me, this is the whole situation is just, just use the unisex bathroom or changing area, and this whole thing goes away. But I do think the people that, you know, are not transgender. And and the 14- or 15-year-old boy or girl who is uncomfortable in the situation to tell them that they have to deal and they have no rights, I don't buy that. 1057, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1109. This is Jeff Wagner. A couple quick programming notes. Pop Culture Corner, 1135 today. It's going to be a fun one. Um, We were scheduled to have an interview with house speaker paul ryan at 11:45 earlier this morning they had to cancel it when when we set it up two days ago i think there was an assumption that there were the votes to repeal the affordable care act um that now appears to be very and, and so this would kind of be like a victory lap you know we talk about it that now appears to be very much up in the air breaking news cnn reporting that um president trump who is now personally involved in this? He, he's meeting with 18 to 21 members, some of the more conservative members of uh, the House, it's that they call themselves the House Freedom Conference, um, trying to negotiate changes or do some arm twisting or whatever to get enough Republican votes to support this bill. Um, so, this entire situation. It, the word that's being used is, is very, very fluid, but uh, we will talk to Paul Ryan at some point in time, and we will keep keep you updated. Um, my guess is at the end of the day, this gets done. Um, I, it, it might not be pretty, but my guess is that it ends up getting done, but... But, but who knows? Uh, like I say, very interesting day in Washington with regard to that. Also breaking news, Chuck Schumer, who is the de- Senate Democratic leader, says that they are committed, the Democrats are committed to filibustering uh, President Trump's nominee, um, Judge Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Republicans have already said, OK, you, you do that. You choose to fight this eminently qualified nominee And what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to Harry Reid you we're going to do what Harry Reid did several years ago. We're just going to change the Senate rules to allow an up or down vote. So um, the the question becomes from Schumer's perspective, is this really is this the stand you want to make? that's going to get the rules changed. But uh, right now he's saying he is going to fill the Democrats are going to filibuster that. They've got 48 votes. So that's a filibuster proof number until you change the rules. So fine. They can go down that route. Okay. I've been waiting all day to discuss this story with you. Um, there has been, oh, over the last several months, a huge controversy over high-profile athletes like Colin Kaepernick deciding that they, even though they're making millions of dollars, they just don't. They don't like. They don't like what this country stands for. They object to certain things, so they're not going to stand for the the pledge of allegiance or the national anthem, or or whatever, and. Some people think this is great. Other people aren't so thrilled with this. Colin Kaepernick, who interestingly is a free agent and uh, continues to be on the market, at least last time I checked. uh, This is one where, first of all, I'm not sure that people think he's that great a player. And secondly, he brings so much baggage with him. And we all have baggage. But in general, I like to think I pack light. Colin Kaepernick, um, his baggage is a bunch of steamer trunks, so he's still trying to find a place. Here's a version of this story. It comes from a suburban Chicago high school. It's called Eisenhower High School. Um, The high school offers driver's ed for the students. And they have a number of, They actually they have eight driver's ed teachers, one of whom is a guy named Vince Zebarth who's worked for the district since 2009, and he's been a full-time driver's education instructor since January of 2014. He was fired last week. Fired last week. Here is, here's what happened. Um, and again, they have eight full-time driver's ed in- instructors. The way it works is, as part of the driver's ed class, you have behind-the-wheel training. So what they do is the kids they, they go and they sign up with the drivers ed teacher that they want to take their behind the wheel training with. I mean they they sign up for the different road things. So they th- that's it. If they're not assigned, they get to do this. So there is this one there is this one kid. Um his name is let me see here, Shamar Cooper. Shamar Cooper does not stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Shamar Cooper, for whatever reason, remains seated during the Pledge of Allegiance. That is his choice. So here's what happens. He has he signs up for one of these behind-the-wheel sessions with this instructor, this Vince Seabarth. And, I mean, everybody knows, Cooper is one of these kids, that, you know, everybody knows he doesn't stand up for this. So... What happens is he signs up for one of these behind-the-wheel training sessions with this Mr. Zebarth. And so, you know, they do the driving thing. And then the kid says, hey, when are we going out driving again? And then the instructor says to the kid, "Um, look, I, I I just want to talk to you about what it means to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I want to tell you how I feel about it. And apparently the teacher then says to the kid, I told him that I stand to honor the sacrifice and bravery of those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. It doesn't mean America is perfect or that we agree with everything that's going on. Uh, the teacher, apparently his grandfather was a Marine in World War II, and his uncle served in, in Vietnam. And so the, the teacher says, look, um, I would prefer, I don't like what, what it is you're doing, not not standing up um, for the National Anthem, and so uh, for the Pledge of Allegiance, and... You know, as long as you're going to do that, I would prefer that you take your driving lessons with someone else. You've got all these other choices out there. Sign up with someone else. Uh, the teacher says, I thought this was best for everyone. I didn't want my feelings to steep in, seep into my instruction unintentionally. I just told him, I think you'd be better off driving with somebody else. teacher says, we have an understanding. He was making a choice not to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I was making a choice. And the guy says his name never appeared on my sign-up sheet again. I thought it was was over. So what happens is that apparently, you know, after this conversation, that the kid would come up and kind of like prod him. Hey, Mr. Z, am I going to ride with you today? And the guy would say, you know the answer. But the kid was kind of pushing the issue. So the teacher says he hadn't spoken to the kid for the past several weeks all of a sudden, he gets whistled into the principal's office, and he's told that his serv—he's being fired. That his services were no longer required in the district. Um, given no options, told that um, he, he's being fired because the kid and his mother apparently complained that the instructor said, "Hey, I'd prefer if you, you know, sign up and ride with somebody else." Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, what do you think? Should the guy have been fired for saying to the kid, I'd prefer you ride with someone else? Is that a fireable offense? Should it have been a fireable offense? Or did the school district screw up? We're back to discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. Again, the Acunet talk, Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. <laughs> Eleven twenty, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. What do the Badgers need to do to clinch a, fi- a third Final Four appearance in the past four seasons? That really is an incredible accomplishment. Former standout and current Dallas maverick Devin Harris weighs in on his alma mater's tournament run when he joins Scafidi and Billstad at 135 today. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line. Maybe you will disagree with me on this, but I think this punk kid played the teacher and i think the fact that the school district chose to fire the teacher is absolutely appalling here you have this kid who decides he doesn't want to stand for the pledge of allegiance fine he's in this driver's ed course he can sign up with any one of eight different teachers the one teacher says to him hey you know i've just got issues with you not standing for the pledge of allegiance you know Why don't don't you just ride with somebody else? Ride with one of the other ones. All right. So the kid, he's not denied the ability to get behind the wheel. Nobody's taking that away from him. But he decides, hey, I want to stick it to this particular teacher because he had the audacity to tell me that he doesn't like what it is that I am doing. All right. Now, I guess... I guess you could make this argument that if you're a teacher, you shouldn't allow the fact that you have personal feelings on certain issues to interfere with how you treat the particular students. But in this case, in this case, the kid has all sorts of other options. It's not like it's the only driver's ed teacher that you can take, that you can take uh, lessons from. There's other ones. And candidly, if I were, if I were the kid, And you know there were eight teachers around, and one of them said to me, "You know, I really, I think you're a a smart mouth punk or whatever. I think I would just naturally gravitate towards one of those other seven. But this kid chooses to make, you know, chooses to make this this a cause. Even having said that, then, even if you disagree with me and you think that the teacher was wrong in this case and he shouldn't have lectured the kid about, you know, standing up for the Pledge of Allegiance or whatever, to fire him." I think is absolutely appalling. This is a classic situation of the punishment not fitting the crime. If the kid and his parents whine, the kid and the, his mother whine to the school, all right, what do you, how do you handle this? Well, you whistle the teacher in and you say, look, I understand how you feel about this. I understand that you'd rather have the kid go somewhere else, but the kid wants you, for whatever reason, to be the driver's instructor, so I need you to be a bigger person or whatever, and I need you to just do this. And I agree with you that they're, you'd probably be better off with somebody else, but, but I need you to do this. You, you, you give them a warning. You counsel them. You tell them to do this. They didn't do anything. They just fired this guy. 414-799-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Even if the teacher was wrong, does he deserve to be fired for this? Let's start with Jason in New Berlin. Jason, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think the guy should have been fired, and I think it's just follow suit with the transgender issues and everything else. And my point is, who's running these schools? Yeah. Because if my kids... Would you know? I mean, that would never happen. And if it did happen, I would be shocked if it happened at West Dallas School. If they if they did something like that, I I just don't see it happening. It would have never happened when I was a kid.
0: Well, I mean, I can see situations too where you have where you have a teacher that has a. A, let, let let's put aside the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's say you've got a teacher and a kid, there's a huge personality conflict. They're, they're just not getting along. So the teacher says, Hey, you know, you've got to take an English class, but there's eight English teachers here. I would prefer that you sign up for one of the other seven teachers' English classes. Well, most times that's what the kids are gonna do. They're gonna go to one of those other seven teachers. You know, is, isn't that how sure. you isn't that ha- how you handle it? It's not like this kid was being denied behind the road lessons. He was just choose I think he, he played the teacher and then of course the school district gets behind the kid and fires the teacher.
1: Well, right, and and, and the thing is is he really didn't do anything wrong and if the kid wants the choice and not stand up or, you know, it's the same thing. All these people want their, their freedoms and their options to do what they choose, but then they're they're so offended and they and they and they, you know, cause problems when somebody else exercises the same option.
0: Well and again, I mean I, I mean he's a teacher, so I mean but I'm just i'm again, I'm trying to put myself in the as as a smart mouth high school student if I was in a situation where I had a teacher say to me, Um I would prefer you not be in my class um all right I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe that's the cue that I I want to go to Mr. So-and-so's class. Now, again, if you're not able to get into any classes, if you weren't able to take driver's ed, it's a different story. But bigger picture, even if you think the teacher was wrong... And and maybe you can make an argument that the teacher was wrong. He should have just kept his mouth shut because whether or not the kid stands for the Pledge of Allegiance is none of his business. Is this the thing that you get fired over without any sort of warning? Like I say today, that's the thing. If it's an issue, you whistle him in and you say, Mr. Z, um, you know, there's been this complaint. Here's what you need to do. You need to just, if the kid wants to sign up, let him sign up. Move on. Let's talk to Greg and Lowell. Greg, you're on 620 T M J.
4: Hey Jeff, a uh, couple things, one is the instructor, Mr. Z, probably should have brought it up to the principal before the child and the parent, Yeah, that he did not want to instruct the kid further or thought it would be best for him to find another instructor. Yeah. And second, uh, politics are so much uh, a part of everything today. When I went to college, I I went to one first. I was a straight-C student, and it was because I was a conservative. When I learned to play the game that all uh, college professors are uh, liberals, Mm -hmm. I played their game. I was a straight-A student (laughs) when I graduated.
0: See, and, and I don't disagree that the teacher could have handled this differently, but let me ask you the second part of the question. Should he have been fired for this? Absolutely not. Yeah. See, that's uh, that's it. I mean, to me, this is not a situation where the punishment fits. The punishment just simply does not fit the the crime. It's not like all the teachers were saying. The the, the teacher expressed his his feelings, and the teacher argues, hey, I think I was doing the kid a favor because I just didn't even want subconsciously, I didn't want to kind of screw him over on whatever because I didn't like what he was doing. You know, (laughs) interestingly enough, Nowadays, I think in a lot of classrooms, especially let's take the college example, you know, you try being a conservative on college campuses, you get these liberal professors, you're you're going to get screwed over. That's just pretty much the reality. You know it, and they're not going to be upfront about it. At least this guy was saying, hey, I don't like what it is that you're doing. Maybe you'd be better off going somewhere else. Janelle downtown. Janelle, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi,
5: Jeff. Hi, Janelle. Hi. I'd like to present maybe just a little bit of devil's advocate here. Sure. And what if the student, instead of not standing for the pledge, had instead told the uh, teacher that he was a, a Trump supporter, or maybe that he was uh, pro choice, or mm-hmm. any other stance? And then the teacher had the exact same set of mm-hmm. scenarios played out, where the teacher said, I think you should maybe find a different teacher. I would ask if you think that would be wrong, for the teacher to make a judgment upon the student based on something arguably completely arbitrary to
3: what's
0: being taught. Right, and, and again, that's why, and, and my, my answer, Janelle, would be that I think that that would, if the teacher said that, I think the teacher would have, I, I think that, I think the teacher would have mishandled the situation in that case as well, just like I think the guy mishandled the situation here. I think it's fine for him to say, you know, I, I really wish you would reconsider your position on, on the pledge. You know, this is why I, I feel it's so important. My my brother was in, my uncle was in Vietnam. My father was in World War II. I, I think it's fine to have that discussion with him where I think he, he perhaps went too far with saying, okay, find somebody else to, to drive with. But at least he's up front about that and putting out his prejudice. But, again, I even I think you can make an argument that the teacher was wrong in doing what he did. But – The bigger point is, all right, I think a discharge is completely and totally out of of line. I think the situation is you, you counsel them, you tell them, hey, you're going to be a professional. But from my perspective, like I say, as a student, if I had a teacher who said, I really don't like you or I don't like what you're doing, I would have taken that as a hint to sign up with one of the other seven. It's 1129, Jeff Wagner. 1135, Jeff Weitner, 620 WTMJ. Just uh, our, our text line just exploding on that last topic. and various opinions, um, let's see, uh, Drew in Illinois writes, No, the teacher shouldn't have been fired. My wife is a principal, and students are reassigned all the time when personalities of students and teachers don't mesh. Um, flip side, we have another text. If you and your producer, Hondo, get into a huge fight and you refuse to work with him, do you think that you would deserve to be fired? Um I think it's a harsh penalty to fire the teacher, however. I also don't think that we get to pick and choose who we get to work with. This is, in essence, what the teacher was doing when he refused to drive with the student. I I sure wish I had the ability to choose not to work with some people. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, again, from the student's perspective, if I had a teacher that said, I don't like you, I I would be finding a, a different teacher To the extent that the teacher was wrong, and I think you can make that argument, um, what I would be saying is, okay, you just just tell them you can't do this stuff, get behind the wheel of the car if the kid still wants to be with you. I think the kid set the teacher up in this particular case, and unfortunately the administration backed the student. Okay, again, quick programming note. I know we were originally planning to have the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, on with us in about 10 minutes. Uh, Earlier this morning they had to cancel that because – uh, the, the Affordable Care Act, the, the whole repeal and replace Obamacare is very, very much up in the air. I think two days ago, Republican leadership felt very comfortable that they had enough votes to do, to get it done. Uh, right now, uh, the last report I saw was that President Trump was meeting with 18 to 20 of the most conservative members of Congress. and, and And this is the problem that that Ryan is dealing with, because you have everybody on the left, all the Democrats who don't want to touch the entitlement program, as I was saying a little while ago. And then you have a a group of conservatives who think that this does not go anywhere near far enough. And so they don't want to support this. They're holding out for something that's even more of a, a repeal. And if you do that, then you lose some of the moderate Republicans. It's just it is very the, – the, the term that I've been hearing this morning out of Washington was a very fluid situation, so we will hook up with uh, Paul Ryan sometime in the very near future. It's just not going to happen today, which gives us the opportunity to do what we always do this time on Thursday mornings in this segment. I, I call it Pop Culture Corner. We, we stop worrying about – Uh, some of the really bad news and Lord knows there was a lot of really bad news out in the last couple days with the terrorist attack in London and the murder of the building inspector here in Milwaukee and the shooting up in Rothschild and the whole issues with the confirmation hearings and the Affordable Care Act but we kind of put that all aside for a couple minutes and just maybe have a little bit of fun. Now I was trying to think of what we were going to do on Pop Culture Corner today and there were actually two things that sort of informed what was going on. First, as we announced today, as part of Insight 2017, tickets go on sale tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Um, one of the the panels that we're going to run, um, so it's Summerfest 50th anniversary, and we're going to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley and Vice President in charge of musical entertainment, whatever the technical title is, uh, Bob Babish. And Bob has been with Summerfest for decades. He knows where the bodies are buried, figuratively speaking, and a lot of great stories. He's the principal booker, um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of that. And Bob Bob has a ton of stories, and we're going to be trying to get him to share some of them. So you've got that, that musical hook, and you'll be able to see those guys at Insight on April 19th at the Country Springs Hotel. In addition to that, um, over the weekend, Chuck Berry who many consider to be, well, not, not the founder necessarily of, of rock and roll, but one of the, certainly the architects of of 1950s rock and roll. And and you think about all the different Chuck Berry songs and how, you know, they influenced so many artists from the Beatles to, well, you, you just name it. I mean, Chuck Berry incredibly influential, passed away at the age of 90. So I wanted to do a musical pop culture corner. And in in trying to think about that, it, it occurred to me that I never saw Chuck Berry perform. I never saw Chuck Berry play. Had opportunities, and for whatever reason, passed it by. And you know, um, over the years, Chuck Berry had some financial reversals and things, so he was kind of legendary. He'd roll into town, he'd hire a couple local musicians, and they never practiced or anything. They'd get on, they'd play the songs, and, and some of the concerts were really rough, is what I heard. But I never had an opportunity to hear Chuck Berry play, and I'm never going to ha- live, and I'm never going to hear an opportunity have an opportunity to do that moving forward. I thought for Pop Culture Corner this week, recognition of the passing of a great, great performer Chuck Berry. I, I'm gonna I call the segment "I wish I had been there." The artist, the performer that you never have gotten a chance to see, and either if the performer's still alive, the one that's on your bucket list that you want to see. Or, like in the case of Chuck Berry, if the performer's passed away, that you really wish you had seen. The one, again, I wish I was there. Who is that performer? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. In addition, so you can text the program. You can call us. In addition, we are live streaming this right now on Facebook Live. So you go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. We've got the lights turned on in the studio. You can watch this as well and participate that way. But I, I wish I was there. The performer that you wish you had been able to see, and again, maybe it's somebody who's still alive who's on your bucket list. Um, maybe it's somebody who has passed away. The performer that you wish you had been able to see, I wish I was there, 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And as always, advise people, um, call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. We will be back with your calls in just a couple minutes. It's 1142 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1146 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Pop Culture Corner, live streaming, Facebook Live. Our text line is exploding uh let's see uh kevin said and the question is I-, I wish i was there in honor of the passing of chuck berry the performer that you wish you had had a chance to see and maybe it could even still be a bucket list thing uh jackie writes jim morrison in the doors and elvis of course kevin writes on facebook live easy please take me back to 50s vegas so i can see frank sinatra legendary man and voice alex and kohler alex you're on 620 wtmj good morning
2: I'm going to go with George Carlin. Okay. Um, not because of, I agree with a lot of his uh, his outlook, but his, as a performer, he was a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. You would hear of all of these, uh, thousands of times he would go through a story in his uh-huh. own home before he went out on stage. He was just the premier performer, and I never got to see his comedy live.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, Alex, I mean, I said this earlier, and I'm, I think probably at, at Insight, I'll be talking to Bob Babish about this because we were both there that night. Everybody claims to have been at the Ice Bowl. I wasn't at the Ice Bowl. I was at Summerfest the night George Carlin got arrested for saying the seven words you can't say on TV or at Summerfest. Okay, on our text line, uh, let's see, I wish I could have seen Steve Perry. Justin writes, I wish I had seen Bob Marley. Absolutely. Um, several people are writing and saying uh, Queen. Freddie Mercury seeing Queen in the, the 70s before Freddie passed away Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Tom in Watertown. Tom, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay. The, the one that got away. You wish you were there.
2: Yeah, I would have loved to have gotten an opportunity to see BB King before he passed. Uh, my wife and I, we almost were able to go see him. We were in the process of getting tickets, and she ended up having a major medical condition that allowed us to not be able to go to the show at the time he was having in Illinois. This uh-huh. was back about three years ago. And uh, we said, well, well, maybe we'll be able to catch him on the next time. And, well, there was no more next time. So.
0: Yeah. And don't, don't you just kick yourself on that? You you, know, man, you, you wish, now, obviously your wife's got a medical issue, you can't go, but you're kind of like, boy, I wish I would go on to that concert.
2: Oh, I know, I know. But, yeah. you know, the wife's health
0: comes first well so. no, no, right, right obviously no, 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 no right i wasn't suggesting otherwise i mean i had the opportunity i saw levon helm who was the drummer for the band i saw him at pottawatomie and he died like a month later <laughs> you know but it was it was tremendous I mean, it was just a great show but he was suffering from cancer and stuff but it was outstanding steve in menominee falls steve you're on 620 btmj good morning how you doing real well thank you who would you have like to see
1: by the way, I did see that Levon Helm show, oh, yeah. when I was at George Carlin too.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> many people that I haven't seen, but one guy I always wished I could have was Warren Zevon.
0: Yeah, I never saw him. I never saw him live either, and I've heard some of his concerts. You know, because he 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 battled lots of demons, alcohol and drugs and stuff. And some of the concerts I heard were train wrecks, but some were just incredibly special. And I I mean I I, I love Zevon. I just I'm with you. I wish I could have seen him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. All uh, right, you yeah, have a th- great day. You as well, Steve. Thanks for the call. He would be on my list. A lot of people I see. Joni in Delafield says, Sid Vicious with the Sex Pistols. Huh. And David Bowie. All right. Well, Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols and David Bowie. Huh. Kind of different musical taste, but I get it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, good morning.
6: Hey, Jeff. Mine is also David Bowie because um, I have been a fan of him for as long as I can remember. And he's very good in concert
0: mm-hmm. as well. Which 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 iteration of David Bowie, like the Ziggy Stardust or the later Bowie?
4: <laughs> well, I'm 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 a little younger um, than than when he first came out. I I would say I really like his Heathen album quite a bit, and I do like like uh, some of his later stuff.
0: Okay, good enough. Pre- appreciate it. That's, 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 it's kind of like if you want to see Elvis, would it be? you want to see the Las Vegas Elvis, or do you want to see the earlier Elvis? 414-799-1620. Bill in Pewaukee. Bill, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you the, wish you uh, were there. Morning. Who's the performer?
2: Yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan.
0: Stevie Ray Vaughan,
2: yeah. Yeah, I uh, had the tickets to go
1: to see him in Alpine Valley, and I didn't get a chance to go. Uh,
0: did, the night that, that he died? Yep. Wow, and that helicopter crash. Wow, Thank, thanks for coming. I mean, that that was bringing back memories. You know, when they announced that there weren't going to be any shows at Alpine Valley this year, that's, you, just, you remember that helicopter ca- crash, that foggy night uh, took Stevie Ray Vaughan's life. Okay, on our WTMJ, our Facebook Live page, Harry Chapin. Yeah, Harry Chapin was big when I was a kid. Nirvana, uh, that's what Linda writes. Uh, Jennifer Michael Jackson, wish I could have seen him. No, no question about that. Um, Jason in Plymouth writes Nirvana and uh, Kurt Cobain. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Carol in St. Francis. Carol, hello.
5: Yes, I had years ago I'm dating myself, but um, I had a chance to see Elvis Presley right here in Milwaukee. And my neighbor uh, had an extra ticket, and she wanted $20. And I thought, oh, I could never afford $20 for the ticket. And I didn't go, and that was a sorry day that I
0: yeah. missed that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, right, and you always think you're going to have another chance. I mean, um, let's see, Matt in Bayview says the Eagles in Milwaukee with Joe Walsh. Um, of course, yeah, The Don Henley is going to be touring with the Eagles, but a- after the passing of Glenn Frey. Um, it's it's just not going to be the same. I mean, he's another performer that if – I think he's going to be somebody else that people look back and say, gee, if, if you had an opportunity to see him and you didn't, um, that's it. Uh, let's see. On our text line, the ultimate showman from ACDC, Bon Scott. Sure. If I were – I mean, a name that I would throw in there is, is Janis Joplin. I mean, um, you know, she – way too soon. And I, I don't know what her career would have been, but, man, you look at some of the stuff that she produced um, – i uh, got to tell you, that would be up there with me. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
6: morning, Jeff. I'm going to say, this is older than me, or this guy's older than me, but Bobby Darin, mm-hmm. I, I You know, that music there can just put you in a good mood if you listen to it somewhere beyond the sea and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, Mac the Knife. That was his yeah. big song. Yeah, I, it's funny you should mention it, because I was just watching... Um I was watching the biopic. The Ke- it's Kevin Spacey's in it. I was watching it the other night. Um it's called Beyond the Sea, I think. You know, with the Bobby Darren thing. Very it was very interesting. I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Let's talk to Mary Joe in Milwaukee. Mary Jo, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. You're a performer. I wish I was there.
5: Uh Leonard Cohen.
0: Uh yeah, I uh yeah that I I never I never had an opportunity to see him either, Um, and or I mean, guess I might have had an opportunity. I just never, I never did. Um, You know, he would be spectacular.
5: Yeah, his music was. I mean, great. I mean, even his last album right before he died was just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, no, Leonard Cohen um, again um, lived a long, full life. But uh, yeah, a lot of. I'm I'm trying to think. The majority here, a lot of Kurt Cobain. um, You know, a lot of lot of uh again Kirk Cobain, some Elvis that's here. Um let's see, uh John John Bingham, the drummer. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of just tremendous performers. Um I would add Jimi Hendrix. Never had an opportunity to see Jimi Hendrix, but I could just appreciate how how very, very good um he was. Jack in Elkhorn. Jack you're on six twenty W T M J. Good morning. Hi
2: uh, Jeff. Hi Jack. I hear all, I hear all the people wanting music. I want to see I get no respect. Rodney, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, Dangerfield. I always i I still laugh at his stuff now. I mean, he's been good, but I never got a chance to see him. I wish I would have seen him in person.
0: Yeah, that um, I, I never I never saw Dangerfield in person either. Um, Patrick writes Pigpen of the Grateful Dead. That's really going back a long time. Um, I, I would I think many people would probably you know lump Jerry Garcia into that as well. So, um, oh gosh, I'm just kind of out, I'm almost out of time. Our text line has exploded. Um, you can continue the conversation on our Facebook Live page. We also, you know, continue to put that up there so you can watch that as well. A lot of people participating. Um, again, Janis Joplin for me, Jim Morris and Jimi Hendrix, and can't go wrong with Warren Zevon. I never saw John Lennon perform. I never saw the Beatles perform, and i i would have I would have loved to see John Lennon perform um, as well. Another voice from the past. I am out of time. I'm back eight thirty tomorrow when we do this all again. Have a great Thursday. It's eleven fifty nine. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ.